Welcome to Minute 97 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Jim Wilson of Blogging by Cinemalite website. Welcome back, Jim. Thank you, sir. All right. Minute 97 begins with Mac interrogating Haynes and goes all the way to Henley entering the room. Basically continue the scene from yesterday where uh, Mac is indicting a number of the prisoners in order to help them learn what they need to say and do while they, during their escape, which they're, which, which minutes. I mean, they, they never tell us the, the actual dates of everything going on. I mean, everyone's already dressed up. This is a dress rehearsal. I guess you can call, call it that. Yes. Especially since Haynes is all dressed up, uh, you know, in, in a uh, perfectly, uh, perfect looking uh, German uniform. Very nice looking at the close up. Yes. yes. Well done. Good tailors there in the uh, Griffith, compound. Griffith really knows what he's doing. <laughs> yes, he does. The scene begins with uh, Mac continuing to, to speak German to Haynes. And in the middle of their conversation, Mac turns to him and says, Ah, your German's pretty good. And uh, Haynes responds, Thanks, Mac. I put, a lot, I put in a lot of... And then he stops himself. He realizes that, uh, that he actually just got caught. Which, I mean, this is... For people who've seen this movie before, this is one of the most ironic scenes of the entire movie because of the fact that, yeah. that, that later on this is what happens to Mac himself. You know, he, he's the one who's tripped up by, by someone speaking to him uh, in English. I mean, I guess it would be something that, that's very difficult. I mean, I, I, I can speak from, from my own personal experience, you know, since I'm, I'm bilingual. So if I'm talking one language and then, and then I'm reading something from the other language and then someone speaks to me, I might respond in the wrong language. You know, just because it's it's, exactly. it's a it, you know it's just something that that happens automatically. You know, it isn't something that that, that you're even conscious of, especially if you're if you're. I mean, in, in these cases, none of them are fluent in German. They're, they they know you know key lines that that they're supposed to say and what they're supposed to know. But in general, they they have no clue what, what what's going. On. I mean, my my assumption is is that they've been in the camp, they've been in, in prison long enough that they've been able to pick up enough of it to understand what's going on. You, you never know how much each is I mean, the German that they all speak here, I, I don't know German, so I couldn't tell you what, what exactly they're saying. But, uh, I, I, they I study fluently. German, but I can't. <laughs> I, I, wonder if it's, I wonder if it's real German or, or it's just gibberish. I, I, oh, no, it's real German. Uh, I, don't, I don't know exactly what they're saying here, but, you know, it's, it's just uh, bureaucrat talk, uh, no, basically. It's, it's, uh, give me your paper, you know, papers, papers. Yeah, as you see in all in all movies dealing with Germans, give me your papers. Let me see your papers. What is your business? You know, why are you Where are you here? going? Where are you coming from? How long are you going to be here? Exactly. Why are you dressed like that? Why are you missing a, a gun in your holster? <laughs> Simple uh, questions. That... Do you always carry your helmet at your side? Yeah. <laughs> Where's your motorcycle? Shouldn't you be riding a motorcycle with that? You know, uh, typical <laughs> questions that one would ask. I mean, okay, so so he asks him why he'd been seat, which, uh, again, and his answer is Erich Stressel asked München. So I, I guess he's basically saying that he's on his way to uh, to Munich. Maybe Erich Stressel is the name of the, the street, or maybe that's sort of where he lives. I don't know. For someone who's, who's, who's not fluent in... Uh, in the language, it's a little more difficult to, to oh, try and understand. I can hear you going to Google Translate right now. Of I can course. be typing it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Munta, I believe, is month. 
Yeah. Okay. The answer is, what's your name? Ah. Yes, because what's your name? So what's your name? My name is Eric Stressel, I guess from Munich. I guess that's the uh, the response that uh, that he gets. And then he starts asking more things. I'm not going to check it all over. You know, I'm not going to go and, and, and check all of the German here to ask what he's asking, to, to figure out what he's asking. But, uh, basically, after Mac trips him up, Mac's line is great. He says, watch it, Haynes. It's the easiest way in the uh, it's easiest way to, to trip up a, a suspect. Or to trip up a suspect, don't fall into that old gag. Aha. Uh-huh. Easy to you to say. Exactly. Exactly. And then he says, "He says, oh, I'm really sorry, Mac." And he says, "Okay, don't worry, but but remember, German always. <laughs> German it, it, always. It goes with the it goes with the line. Do as I say, not as I do. Yeah, precisely. He's uh, you know, it, it's the difference between being on stage and the dress rehearsal. You know, you're 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 not as not as on your on your feet, but on the other hand, you're under more pressure when you're uh, doing it for real. So. Correct. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you're walking around Germany, you don't want to get captured by anybody and definitely filled with a lot of uh, stress trying to figure out what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to go. I mean, each of them, you know, you have, uh, the plan is for 250 different prisoners to, to break out. They're not going to all go together. They're going to each go, you know, their separate ways. And, you know, you have to deal with stuff on your, on your own here. That's not that. It's not so simple. No. Especially again, we we don't know the background of someone like Haynes. Of you know, how often has he escaped, or attempted to escape over the course of of, of the time that he's been imprisoned? There, some of the prisoners were, were told how many times they escaped. You know, we know that that, that Hiltz, for instance, did at least seventeen escape attempts before he got to this camp. You know, what what he did after that. So the next question that Mac asks, and so I had to check, look it up, says. Why are you here? That's the next question. You know, just to, to, to give us some more of an impression as to what's what's going on here. What type of questions? Again, it's it's easy to see what they're trying to figure out here. You know, like like we said, this they're typical questions that that one would ask a prisoner, or sorry, a sus- someone who's being suspected of something. And everybody's looking at their papers, so you know it's Germany, so it's extraordinarily restricted, especially if you're a soldier. Well, again, the, the biggest question is why would someone stop Haynes, who looks like a soldier? Like, why would he be considered suspicious? You know, except for the fact that he doesn't have a you know a gun in his holster. But besides that, like what? I, which which I'm assuming there is a, an answer for as to why he doesn't have it. I don't know what that answer would be. It's it's still. I don't know. Some of, some of the other characters, I can understand why someone would would, would ask them would they, they, that they would be suspicious of them. But but this this is a, a really good uniform. The, the idea is to okay, what are you trying to trying to do here? So his, his answer basically, it, it, he actually gives a very interesting answer, which which might even explain why he doesn't have a gun. He basically says he's been on vacation uh, uh. Because, because his mother's sick. Ah, uh-huh. okay. Now that makes more sense. So my mother was sick. I, I decided to leave my gun on the base because you know I don't need the gun when I go home. So I've been okay. All right, that that actually makes a little more sense. There you go. Perfect. Yeah, exactly. There's the response. Yeah, for 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 those who haven't seen this movie before, so pay attention to to what Mac says here, and you'll see later on what happens uh, with that. Mac finishes uh, interrogating Haynes. And once again, you see in the background uh, our uh, our good friend Goff, 
who you know we discussed. He walks in and he's got this very strange look on his face as he's walking in to bring in his papers. I mean, he's you know he's wearing a beret, so I, I guess he's he's uh, supposed to be a French countryman or something like that. You know, mm. I mean the, the the story of of the first of all the character of Goff and and the actor. It's it's they're they're both very very interesting. I mean, as as you mentioned yesterday, Goff seems to be the biggest extra in the movie. You know, he's he's someone who yes. you know he's the third American, he's the third wheel, he's exactly. a utility player. But but he's someone who has who has a Pinch name, he has, has a an identity. He's not one of the you know there there are a lot of extras here that have nothing to do besides just walk around, mull around, you know, the whole time. But he he's given some stuff to do, but but he's usually a secondary player in all of the, the the scenes that he's in. You know, he's he's the one who's always watching on the side. He's a spectator, I guess you can say. You're like, no, he's he's in the back. And he's always the guy who throws Steve McQueen his uh, mitt. That's right. Well, he's ball. basically the one. He's basically the goes guy who goes the through McQueen's bag every time to take out, you know, to to see to see what goodies he can find in there, and then throw him his mitt. So that hopefully in two weeks, two weeks when he's up from yes. the cooler, he'll forget that uh, that I also stole some something else from from his bag. Now, I mean, he went on to have a very lucrative career as a director. He has sixty eight TV directing credits, which is quite interesting. Some of them are movies, some of them are TV shows. Yeah, and Judge surprisingly, Taylor. he actually uh, directed the movie The Great Escape to the Untold Story. Yes. Oh, yes. you're kidding! So in, in That's amazing. They, they have a sequel. Or it's not really even a sequel. It's sort of a remake of this movie where they actually try to show the the real story as opposed to, you know, this, this movie is based on, on truth. Everything that they, they do here is pretty much Hollywood-sized and fabricated, you know, to make it, to make it more entertaining. The the, the made-for-TV movie, which which is even longer than this one, this movie is 172 minutes. That one is, is 178 minutes. You know, they have, a, they have an extra six minutes in that story. So it was. So Judd Taylor was one of the two directors, and that that movie stars uh, Christopher Reeve, Judd Hirsch, Tony Denison. I mean, it's. It, it. I I remember seeing it when it was on when it was on TV at the time, thirty some odd years ago. Something I, I probably should 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 rewatch at some point, especially given the fact you know dealing dealing with this movie minute by minute. I, I you know I have to find the time to sit and watch a three hour movie that I'm not watching one minute at a time. It also stars uh, Ian Ian, Mich- Ian McShane, who plays Roger, and you have Donald and Donald Pleasance is the only actor to appear in both both movies. He he plays a different yes. character. <laughs> yeah, he's still in it. I think I think he plays a German in that version. So I, I people should try yes. and take a look at that also if you want to get more of an idea of what the real story is as opposed to uh, the, the the Hollywoodized version of it. Anything else you want to say about this scene before we move on to the next scene? Uh, no, let's move on to the next scene. All right. So the next scene is 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 a is, is a pivotal scene in the movie because we go back to uh, Colin and dealing with his uh, his eyesight issues. So you see Colin standing in his room, and he's he's actually holding a sewing kit. Yes. Which uh, I I've, until this this time viewing it, I never even noticed that. You know, you never. I mean, there's the the whole thing with the pin. Which we'll, we'll discuss over the next few days, and I think uh, next week we'll, we'll discuss it even more. He basically, you know, I never, I never thought about the fact where does he get the, the little pin, and you see that that he's taking it out of the uh, sewing kit that he has. So I guess he's he's not just a forger; he's also, you know, he's he's able to do any sewing repairs that that people need. Exactly. Yeah. So he he takes something out of the the sewing kit and then just drops the sewing kit on the table, walks to the door. 
And then he begins counting out steps. Two, three, four. He counts five. out uh, five steps. Five steps. There you go. And then he taps the wall with his foot. And then just down and picks up the pin that he dropped on the floor. And then he walks back, tries it again. You know, he's, it's it's showing how much he really wants to finally get out of this place. I mean, we, we, we talked about it a few weeks ago, how he, he's there by accident. He went up for a joyride and got shot down. Not very smart. You know, he wants to get home also, just like everyone else. And he doesn't want to let the fact that currently he's having eye problems to, 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 to cause him any more difficulty along the way. And it's nice to see it's nice to see how he's rehearsing this. Yes. And what's interesting is he stops before he gets to the other wall so that he won't be found out by bending down and hitting his head on the windowsill in front of him. That's right. Uh, That's right. So he does it just enough, gives himself just enough space, uh, just enough kick space to, to, to be able to bend down. And then he bends down and clears that windowsill and is able to pick up the pin, puts it back down. Now he's set. It's funny because uh, we started this minute talking about a rehearsal scene. This is a rehearsal scene, too. Yeah. He's trying to basically um, uh, fool fool his uh, 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 fellow, fellow prisoners into thinking that he can see and everything is fine. Yeah. Uh, that uh, it, everything is all normal. Yeah, my my assumption is is that if this actually, if if someone really was suffering from what he's suffering from, I think they would have banged their head in the wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, maybe, should... maybe we just didn't see the, the the times that he tried it and banged his head in the wall, and that's what made him realize that okay, now I need to count five instead of six. Yes. You know. Uh, well, you know, uh, maybe he's just an extraordinarily, uh, perceptive person. Uh, well, that uh, we know. We know that he's, he's meticulous with details. You know, that, that, that goes with the trade of being, you know, being the forger. And at that point he turns around and hears a noise and calls out to Roger, uh, cause he thinks that Rogers came into, came into the room. Now the question is, why does he think Roger's coming? Did, did he have like a meeting with Roger? You know, did, did Roger say, okay, I'm going to come, come to your room a little later. So hang out there. Like, why would if, if this is his room with Henley, why would he assume that Roger's the one who's going to show up? As opposed to him, as opposed to him saying uh, Willie, Danny, you know, Sedgwick. He, I mean, he could have called it any name. Like, why? Why would he assume that Roger was coming to, to see him? I think there was a pre-set meeting with Roger. Roger will be coming in a few minutes later. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see him later in the week. But but still, the the idea is that that uh, you know if you're if you're if you're waiting for somebody, then then you'll be surprised if they if they you know if it's not them. But uh, if you're not waiting for somebody, you know, it's randomly. So yeah, I, I guess you're right. They, they they must have had the you know Roger must have said okay, I'm going to come to your room at nine o'clock and we're going to I want to talk to you about something. And maybe that's what maybe that's what got him concerned about the fact that you know that he actually needs. To, to to pretend that he can yeah. see. Because, you know, we, we just saw this yesterday in the minute, you know, not too long ago, which my assumption is is it didn't it, it's either the same day or the day before. Right. You know, you know, are people able to already see that that that, that he's blind? You know, has he uh, you know, which, 
if if it's just a few minutes later, then then there's no reason anyone would have even seen him unless they saw him stumbling across the the barracks trying to find his room. Well, time time is tricky in this movie because uh, in in the minutes we're looking at, we're in that two month period where Steve McQueen is still in the cooler after his uh, escape right after the July fourth July fourth debacle. Uh, so this could be anywhere in that in that two month time frame. Right. I mean, I think that that the movie establishes that the the breakout was either in I think it was the beginning of August. I think that that's what yeah. it is because they they talked uh, a few weeks ago. They talked about the dark yes. of the moon. You know, where that's when McQueen was. Uh, that's when Hiltz was going to escape, and I think that they were waiting for the next dark of the moon in August for them to to be able to get out. I mean, in real life, the the as as we we mentioned, uh, I think it was yesterday, the the real escape happened in, on March seventeenth, and th- that was one of the biggest problems because there was snow on yeah. the ground. You know, it, it that I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of them got caught. You know, it's not difficult to follow footprints. No. <laughs> footprints in the snow. <laughs> Absolutely true. You never know. I I remember exactly. reading about the. Uh, oh, many 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 years ago, I read a, a book about the greatest escapes in military history and this was one of them uh and the the, uh the 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 movie is much much more pleasant an ordeal than 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 what the real one actually was uh but but still they 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 managed to do the incredible things uh while being under constant um Cost of surveillance, uh, and use many of the tricks that they employ in the movie, which is uh, uh, extraordinarily clever. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've been amazed at the. I, mean, I reread the book recently. I've just always been. Uh, I've been amazed while watching, while rewatching at this point, this time, at how many of the different escape attempts that they they show here yeah. were things that people really tried. You know, and uh, you know, the book just goes into much more detail about things. But to be able to see the connection between them is great. I mean, I know that that there are purists out there, obviously people who who have direct connections to the real story, that are less pleased with the way that this movie was made. I wonder if they would actually find the the sequel to be better because of the way that it supposedly gears more towards the towards the real story. When I think the final week of this this podcast, I actually have guests. I have five guests that are all connected to the real story. Interesting. I'll have to hear what, what they all are going to yeah. say about it. Yeah, that'll be interesting. All right. Do you have anything else you want to say about this this minute, nope. uh, Jim? Before we nope. uh, wrap it up for today? All right. Very good. We will, we will, uh, we will leave uh, Henley waiting at the door. That's right. He'll be waiting for us. He'll be waiting for us tomorrow at the door. So, Jim, you want to tell anyone how they can get in touch with you? Oh, they can always read my website, which is uh, my blog, which is blogging by Cinema Light, and uh, just Google it. You can find it find it pretty quick. All right, great. And while you're doing that, you can go to our Facebook group, The Cooler. You can send us uh, a message by email, thegreatminute at gmail dot com. Uh, our Twitter handle is Great Escape MXM, and our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. dot com. So until tomorrow, tally ho. Tally ho.